Let's read it. We read it this morning. Let's read it again out of Psalm 29. That's our text tonight, Psalm 29. This is a Psalm of David. This is a word picture of God exercising his sovereignty over nature, specifically over the storm. It's in three parts. As you know, these psalms used to be sung. This psalm was written for instruction to the people of God. They would sing it, they would read it, they would memorize it, and they would be instructed concerning the Lord and his work, that the Lord is sovereign. We read it, we sang it, the Lord, this is my father's world. You know, God is over his creation. He controls it. He rules it uh, to this very day. So let's read there verses 1 all the way through the end of the psalm through verse 11. We have a three-point outline. But a powerful statement uh, coming at the end. It is a... uh, a psalm that builds toward a climax. And I think a psalm tonight that will it, will, it will strengthen us. It will help us. I think for some, it'll settle us in our hearts. There it is. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king 
forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven. Lord, in a way that only you can accomplish, we ask that you emblazon these words on our very soul. That we would never forget that we would be built up in faith, that we would be instructed toward true worship of you. And that while in our own finite minds, we may want to reduce worship to one or two hours a week that truly Worship involves the totality, not only of who we are, but of the time that we have on this planet. And so, Lord, help us tonight. Help us to see you for who you truly are, and then to respond accordingly. And we give you praise, and we thank you in advance for what you'll do. For it's in Jesus' name that we ask, amen. And amen. So the Lord of glory is sovereign over nature. This is my father's world. Okay. Here in this psalm, we see that specifically he is sovereign over the storm. If you'll recall, a little while ago, we began with John chapter 6. And we read the story of the storm. There the disciples are. They're rowing in the midst of a storm. And here comes Jesus walking on water. This is a wonderful visual of the lordship of Christ over this world. Now, over in John 1, I'd just like to take a moment there, just in that first chapter of John since John gives us a wonderful description of Jesus and that Jesus was with the Father and, and he talks about what Jesus did before all things were created. Look at this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word there is Jesus. John reveals that to us later on in the chapter. And the Word was with God. So Jesus the Son was with God. And the word, Jesus, was God. He was in the beginning with God. So as I like to think, Jesus wasn't a Johnny-come-lately. Jesus was in the beginning with God. Jesus is God. And he says this, verse 3 is powerful. All things, we've been thinking about creation. We've been thinking about this universe. We've been thinking about the Father's world. He says all things came into being through him. Through Jesus, and apart from him, nothing, not one thing in the text uh, that is emphatic. Not, no, not one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. This puts Jesus as the agent of creation. 
So we have sovereign Lord. He's over it all. Paul says in Colossians that in him all things consist. In who? In Jesus, our Lord. Well, here in these first two verses, we have a picture of our sovereign, this sovereign Lord. And we also have admonition directed to the sons of the mighty. Now, that's the first, as you read this, as you study it, that's the first phrase right there, ascribe or attribute to the Lord. And then he addresses uh, somebody, a group of people, O sons of the mighty. So we're to attribute to the Lord something. Well, who are the sons of the mighty? Well, in the Old Testament, sons of the mighty are often used for angels. So we could say, we would say that he is calling on the heavenly hosts to praise the Lord. And if he's caught, why is he writing this? Well, if the heavenly hosts are to be praising the Lord, we're to join them in praise to the Lord. The picture I get when I read this is of the birth of Christ. Remember when the announcement was made and it was like the heavenly hosts lit up the sky and those shepherds were <laughs> blinded by the light. They were overwhelmed and overcome with the brightness and the glory of the heavenly hosts bringing praise to God for this baby that had come into the world through a, a virgin birth, a, a virgin woman named Mary. And here we have the sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Heavenly hosts, get over here. Worship the Lord. He says, ascribe to the Lord, what? Glory and strength. Glory, we've talked about that today. The word means to be clothed with splendor. We made a reference to the transfiguration and that Jesus was transfigured. He was transfigured into heavenly glory. And Moses and Elijah and Peter and James and John saw this. They witnessed this. And he's just saying, understand that the Lord is worthy. Ascribe to him glory. Uh, another aspect of glory is weightiness. So I like to think about, have you ever, have you ever put on about this time of year, just a, a, a heavy garment, that coat, maybe that favorite coat. And you just, you know, it's not a windbreaker. It's a, it's a, it's a garment. It is on you. It fits. It keeps you warm. It does its job. And I like to think, that he is clothed with splendor and there's a weightiness about our Lord, a weightiness ascribed to him glory. He is worthy. He's worthy of our thoughts, of our praise, of our worship. That's where the psalm begins with his sovereign Lord and then our response along with the heavenly host to who he is. He is worthy and he is strong. And, and the psalmist is going to 
uh, unfold the strength, the sheer power of this sovereign God here momentarily. But first we need to look at verse 2. Ascribe to the Lord, again, the glory due to His name. Now the word for the Lord here in this psalm is the word Yahweh. Remember, when we first come to that word, uh, remember Moses. He says, uh, okay, the Lord had, had raised him up, Moses, to, to lead the children of Israel out of bondage, slavery in Egypt. And Moses said, well, who, you know, the people are going to ask, who's, who, sent, who sent you, Moses? He said, what am I supposed to say? And the Lord said, I am that I am. Yahweh. He is Yahweh. He is I am that I am. He's not the great I was. He's not a has been. Our God is not a has been. People like to talk about, well, you know, that's, that religion is old fashioned. No, God is very up to date. You know what? God is, here's how contemporary God is. God is so contemporary that uh, we read the end of the book and he wins. He's so far out in front of us. We can't even keep up. You think technology is advancing. They can't even, technology can't even keep up with God. I know that sounds foolish, but I'll talk it. I don't care. I'll be a fool for Christ. Uh, these, um, these technological gurus don't have anything on the Lord. And, uh, and so God is the great I am. And you know, our God is not bound by space and time. He's not, you know, he doesn't check his watch and wonder, or calendar. No, he's be, he, is, he is a part. He is over space and time. He is, he is in that realm of timelessness. You and I are constrained by time. You and I are constrained by space. You know, here's the line. There's the boundary. Don't cross it. Or whatever. But God is, he is everywhere. He is all points in between. He is almighty God over his creation. And, um, and he is, the psalmist is saying, look at him and ascribe to him the attributes of the Lord. The glory and the strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to what? His name. So the Lord's name is not just a name. His name is who he is. See, we, you know, what do we do? Um, a lot of people, they have a, they have a child and they, they work on this for at least nine months. What should we name the child? It could be a family name or it could be, it could be anything. I mean, it's just what they want to name the child. What sounds good? What goes good with the last name? Do we have a good middle name? And sometimes it fits the character, personality of the kid. Sometimes it doesn't. But God's name is significant, always, always in the Bible. It is a testimony to who he is at the very core. So, for instance, you get to Genesis 22, and Abraham takes Isaac up. God has told him to sacrifice Isaac, and Abraham is, is being obedient. And the Bible tells us later in the book of Hebrews that Abraham is taking him up Mount Moriah. He's taking Isaac up Mount Moriah. And Abraham actually thinks that God is going to raise his son from the dead. 
That's how much faith Abraham had. And remember the conversation on the way up. It's recorded for us. Isaac's going, hey, uh, hey, pops, uh, we've got the fire and we got the wood, but where's the sacrifice we're going to make? And Abraham's thinking, uh, right now, <laughs> it's you. <laughs> well, that's interesting. You know, that, but later on, what happens? Abraham raises the knife. And the angel of the Lord says, stop, hold on. That's not, that's not what God's testing your faith, your obedience, but that's not the plan. There's a ram caught in a thicket and that ram was to be the sacrifice and becomes the substitute. So a type or a shadow of Jesus, our substitute. So Isaac's life is spared and the ram is sacrificed to the Lord. Oh, I know where we were going with this. God's name. So the Lord revealed himself to Abraham. Abraham called that place. The Lord is what? My provider. The Lord's my provider. Jehovah Jireh. In that place, in that high place, in that place of surrendering to the will of God, the Lord provides for his own. And so who is God? He is Yahweh. Our provider, Yahweh Jireh. Isn't that wonderful? So his names really indicate his character. And there's several others in the Old Testament. Jeremiah, uh, I think Jeremiah chapter 22, he calls the Lord, the Lord my righteousness. Yahweh Sidkenu. Yahweh Sidkenu. Yahweh is my righteousness. And isn't that what salvation is about? Salvation is not about us parading our righteousness before God because that self-righteousness is really unrighteousness. And that human unrighteousness is deserving of God's judgment. Yet God Almighty, Yahweh, provides righteousness for us. Something that we can't manufacture, would never be able to come up with. God provided that for us in who? In Jesus. And so Jesus grants us his righteousness when we acknowledge our own unrighteousness and look to him in faith, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's a powerful thing. The Lord is willing to share his righteousness for our salvation. Powerful thing. So ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. And then he says this, worship the Lord in holy array. The reference there to the priesthood. We, we know that as believers in Jesus, we are priests unto God. Read First and Second Peter. Peter makes a lot out of the priesthood of the believer. That's a big deal. Listen, our high priest Jesus is the only priest you need. You'll ever need. He's the one mediator between God and man. Who's that? Jesus, our high priest. But when we're saved, we have the ability, as God helps us, to what? Read the scriptures on our own. Right? We can read the scriptures. You open up the book and read the scriptures on our own. We have the, we have the spiritual ability to seek God's forgiveness on our own. We don't need another priest to wave his arms around us and pronounce us forgiven. No. 
We just need Jesus. We need the blood of Jesus. And we need the sensitivity in our own spirit to go to him for forgiveness when we need forgiveness. And to, and to be devoted to him. But we don't need an, an earthly intermediary. Like a priest. We are priests unto our God. In fact, in Revelation, we find out that he has made us to be a kingdom of priests unto our God. What's a priest do? A priest worships. That's what he says right here. Worship the Lord in holy array. So we're reminded there of our our access to God through our high priest, Jesus. We can pray, we can commune with him, we worship him, we sing to him, we fellowship with him. And this is the joy that we have in God as children of God. So there is the picture right there of our sovereign God, and he is sovereign over all. And the response should be one of worship. And then all of a sudden in verse 3, get ready. Get your raincoat out. Uh, you're going, but this is no ordinary storm. He's going to describe right there, verses three through nine. There's a storm. It's it's there. We were reading verses one and two, and the dark clouds came over us, and the wind started blowing and whipping around. And there it is. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The voice of the Lord, the same voice that was heard at creation. Light be and light was. There it is. The God of glory thunders. How bad is this storm going to get? Well, the Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. So he's sovereign and controlling by his word. It's the word of God. It's over and over right here. The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Oh, that's a a powerful storm. Uh, It just hit the cedars of Lebanon right there in verse 5. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. And the cedars of Lebanon were the pride of Lebanon. Yeah, Lebanon took pride in their cedars. How strong they were, how beautiful they were, how stately they were, how permanent they were. And what's God's voice do? What's the storm do? It breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Well, what was there? Well, there were some cedars of Lebanon, but they're broken in pieces. Well, what happened? Well, it was a a sovereign Lord of the storm. The Lord raised up the storm and that storm developed and that storm went north because we have Lebanon and then Syria is included in there. It is uh, north. It is a north moving storm and it's moving off the Mediterranean and it's moving in that direction and it's destroying everything in its path. He says he makes Lebanon skip like a calf. And he's throwing up all kinds of debris. And Syria, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. You ever seen forked lightning in the midst of a storm? That's what we see here. We see awesome display, heavenly display of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. 
The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Now, this isn't Kadesh Barnea, Kadesh to the south. This is Kadesh, the wilderness to the north. And the Bible says the the voice of the Lord shakes even the wilderness. Most of us didn't know there was anything in the wilderness to be shaken. Right? But there is. And the Lord shakes the wilderness. And the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And then the voice of the Lord continues. He makes the deer to calf. And strips the forest bare. And that's, by the way, that's a correct translation. If you have an NIV, I can't help you. It's not, it's, it's not the right translation there for verse 9. You just have to go back to the drawing board. This is the correct translation. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calf. So he's talking about deer. And strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. The problem comes with translators who think that everything in this psalm, every verse has to have the parallel. And so they look at a deer in verse 9, and they think it has to be an animal in the last part of verse 9. So they change something there, strips the forests to an animal, and uh, when it should be, it strips the forests bare. He makes the deer to calve, and strips the forest bare, and in his temple, and the temple here is not a building. The temple here is his creation. Everything in his creation says glory. Now, that is powerful. Even after the storm, and the storm is as as we say, died down. And everything says glory. And so what we've seen in this storm is, we've seen what? This is where it gets, it's good. We see the strength of God in the storm. That's God's power. Okay? It's God's power in the storm. I think we we get real earthly, right? I think we watch too many newscasts. They don't, because they don't talk about weather like we, you know, they, they don't use Psalm 29 to talk about the, the weather on the news. And the psalmist's point is the storm you see out here is, is ultimately God Almighty at work. I mean, we just, we reduce everything. Well, you know, we had the barometric pressure go down and we had this happen and we got a little more humidity and we're, it's God. I mean, just say it. It's God. God's over the storm. He is over it. And, and so the psalmist is saying, you see, when you see a storm, you're seeing God's power at work. That's what you're seeing. Now, it may look like it's destructive power, and it certainly does that. But God, our sovereign God, is behind it. He's never relinquished one ounce of power uh, and one ounce of rulership from his creation. He is over it all. And so you see the power of God in the storm. Now, let's talk about this. What What about the storms in your life? What about life circumstances that get chaotic? It's raining awful hard in my life right now. 
What about the pain? What about sorrow? What about, let's, let's just say it. I mean, the, the most unimaginable thing that you could see in your life that you would never predict that you wouldn't even want to think about. God's overall. He's overall. But here's the point of the song. Look at verses 10 and 11. It's, remember at the beginning we said it's climactic. It builds. So we start out with the sovereign Lord. Then he shows us the storm. And now he's going to show us the strength of that Lord right there. Verse 10. This is interesting. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Every time that Hebrew word flood is used, it's a reference to the flood. Genesis 6. The flood. The great flood. And that flood was what? Was it local or universal? It was universal. Like that. It was universal. It flooded the world. The Lord sat as king at the flood. So when the flood, when the, as we used to sing, when the rains came down, the floods came up, the Lord sat as king. He's over it. That's how sovereign he is. Then it says, yes. I like that. Simple Hebrew word there. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. Oh, so not just at the flood way back then. He continues to rule forever. Forever. He's over it all. And then we get this. Verse 11 And this is the high point of the psalm. Some psalms, they they peak in the middle. And then they, they come down. This psalm is up, 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 up. And the point here is right here in verse 11. The Lord, Yahweh, the same God, will give strength to his people The Lord will bless his people with peace. So you see God's strength in a storm. I remember when they were putting the sign up out here. They had that thing hanging from a crane. And I mean, the timing couldn't have been better. They got it off the crane and the sign on the ground. And about that moment, those powerful winds came from that direction And those winds, I was at this door going inside and I glanced back and the wind blew over the two sign guys and the sign. Just knocked them right on their backs. Powerful. I mean, just, and I, and I, I don't, I think I went on inside, but you know, I mean, they were good. They were, you know, I, I wasn't going to be any help. I can tell you that. But, uh, but so the Lord is strong and he is, and you see his strength, even in wind that's invisible. There's the strength of God. Well, look at this. Here's what he wants you to know. That same strength that God uses in the storm, he'll give you that same strength when you're in the storm. That's what he's saying. There it is. The Lord will give what? What's he going to give you? He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you power. That's what he does. He girds us up. He gives us strength. I mean, do you need strength? I need strength. I mean, we don't know. You know, we're either either in a storm or we're 
just coming out of a storm or, you know, we're enjoying a nice uh, sunny walk and there's a storm coming. At some point, you and I are going to be caught up, swept up in a storm. And the best thing you can do is understand that God is so strong and his strength is, is displayed in the storm, but he will bring that same strength to your heart in the midst of the fury of life. I mean, it doesn't get so bad that God can't reach you with his strength. And that's what we need to remember and latch on to tonight. Our strong, sovereign Lord doesn't forget about his people who are trying to survive a storm. He will give. There it is. There's the promise. Uh, write it down. Psalm 2911 I'm claiming the promise the Lord will give strength to his people. But that's not all. The Lord will bless, and that word bless means to make happy, to make joyful. The Lord will bless. It means he will satisfy his people with what? With peace. Peace in the midst of storm. Calm in the midst of the storm. And we can trust him that one day circumstances get chaotic and things start to bubble up around us. But the Lord in his own time and in his own way, he'll speak that word of peace and calm those circumstances. But in the meantime, he'll bring that peace home to our hearts. I want you to hear that tonight because we never know when that next storm will come. Be ready and be ready to receive the strength of God as you what? Worship Him. As you worship. Right there, verse 2. Worship the Lord in holy array. Praise God. It's good to be here tonight. Good to see you. And we'll pray. Father in heaven, you're such a good, gracious, holy, righteous, just, wise God. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this one who spoke the word and calmed the storm. We thank you for Jesus, this one who in the midst of a tumultuous storm walked on water toward his disciples. Lord, we thank you that you're that kind of God, that while there is no promise coming from you that we will avoid storms, there is the promise of your grace and peace and mercy and strength to us as we navigate the storms of life. Lord, help us in this endeavor. Help us every time we see a storm. Every time we see those dark clouds, help us to be reminded that the strength that is in that storm is of you and you have promised that same degree of strength to your people that we would bring glory to you by standing in the midst of trial and difficulty of life. So we give you praise, we give you honor and glory and blessing as we Worship you as we humble ourselves before you. 
acknowledging your wonderful sovereignty and grace and mercy extended toward us. We praise you. And it's all in Jesus' name. Amen.